Yeah, the first probably three to six months, I would, I would just, I just go in there and shake her and make sure she was okay. If she grunted at me really hatefully, I knew she was all right. I could just go back to bed. But right. it took it took a while. But oh it yeah, was a, it was very scary that first probably. I would say up to at least probably six and a half to nine months. So we kind of got in a really good routine. And But does that fear ever really go away? Like no, it lessens, fear, but does it ever? The fear still doesn't go away because she wears a Dexcom sensor now. And I have my phone set to uh, her low is like at 50. I think I have it set for like 70 because she'll drop from, if she starts going from 90 to 70 and my phone goes off at 70, I know she's going to drop from 70 to 50, like within just, I don't moments. It seems yeah. like just a few moments. Um, but when my phone goes off and she's low, the alarm on it is a crying baby. And I'm sure you heard that. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. And it freaks me out even today to this day. I mean, she's 22 years old and she looks at me and she goes, and she'll call me or text me and go, it's not really not low. It's really not low. I'm okay. <laughs> well, know, and I'm, I'm about to call her. She's like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I don't know how many times cause the Dexcom, you know, it, there are some times where with any technology, it's not always accurate. It's not always calibrated. Right. There are so many times I'll go to bed and wake up and it'll say my sugar's 40 and I have to text her and be like, it's not actually 40. It's like, it's reading wrong. Just ignore it. It's fine. Uh, so many times texting you and calling you. Yeah. So when we get high, when we get above a 300, I'd have like a fire engine sound go off, but it was as low. The one that freaked me out is that baby crying. And I can still hear it in my sleep to, to this day. And I'll probably dream about it tonight when I go to bed. She's and gonna wake me up crying. at two o'clock in the morning. I'm gonna be like, I'm fine. <laughs> Go back <laughs> to bed. bed. I hear babies crying, and she'd be like, I'm fine. Go back to bed. It's just you're just dreaming it, whatever. But, yeah. So. So how did you go? I only have a couple more questions. How did you go from our, how did you handle going from the one that you were the one keeping track of everything? Um, you know, we're going out, we're bringing all of these things. We have to have this. You were the one doing all that to stepping back. And now I'm the one, you know, that's going, I have to bring all of these. I brought a month and a half worth of supplies for a four day trip because we were going out of state. Because it's like underwear. Oh, you know, you pack underwear like you're going to have to change your underwear six times a day. <laughs> I pack sensors like I'm going to have to change my sensor ten times a day. Um, I think I started backing off when we moved to Wisconsin. When I was working in Wisconsin, we went up there. I think I started backing off there because you had gotten used to your pump. You were doing a really good job with it. I think we were there when you were, what, 13? We moved up there, 12 or 13? No, I was in eighth grade, so we were there for three years, and I was driving. Before. You said, so yeah. So you were 12 or 13. 13, yeah. So I think we went there, and because um, you were on the pump, you then got good and used to using it or whatever. And I think we went to Wisconsin. I kind of slowly started backing off, except for when we were packing to go on a trip. Then I was in control of everything, but. Did you get this? Did you get that? Blah, blah, blah. You kind of like helped me sit it down on the counter. I need to pack this, this, and this. And Look, to this day, I'm asking sure. you. I'm like, all right, I got this. I got this. And I got this. Am I good? Am I yeah. fine? I have these things. And then we uh, we went from there to Murfreesboro, and you did a good job there. And then, you, of course, you were working, and you were going to school all at the same time. And then we went to Virginia, and you went off to college. Then, uh, you know, you had to, you know, you had to take care of yourself because you were off to college, and I wasn't there all the time. And Oof. then, uh, you know, so you kind of growed up and started doing, growed, all growed up and started doing your own thing. So you Lick. had to do it, but it's still nice that you call and go, Hey mom, I need this, this, and this, or did I pack this, this, and this, or how many of these do you think I need or whatever? So even though you say I'm, it's nice, but when I'm 400 and I ask you to give me an insulin shot, cause I can't give myself <laughs> an insulin shot. You're like, no, take care of yourself. Yep. 
I have to bribe you. Well, if I broke both my arms tomorrow, I still could give you a shot if you needed to. But now, so how what how relaxing was getting the Dexcom? Being able to not worry about, you know, you're able to see it now, and that's one of the reasons I'm going to do an episode on like specific pumps: the Medtronic, the Omnipod, the Tandem. That's one of the reasons we stayed with the Tandem is because their CGM lets you see it. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you or explain to you how relieved I was knowing that give or take what is it 10 to 18 percent is correct 30 yeah it's it's Um, 30 it's within 30 percent of what actually sticking your finger and getting a blood glucose level would be and a lot of people will go oh my god 30 percent that's a big swing but you can actually you can set those alarms on your on my phone I've got them set for like what I know that her sugar does you know and how her body reacts during the day so I've got my alert set so that I'll know before it gets to a bad stage. So I can go, hey, I can call her or text her and go, hey, I can see your sugar doing this, whatever. But when she first got it, I mean, there would be multiple times during an hour I would be looking at it going, this is really cool. This is really cool. Um, so it probably took me a couple of months to actually put my phone down and stop staring at her glucose. She's over here going, what does this button do? What does this graph um, do? If I turn it, and then she's like, oh my God, look, if I turn it this way, it looks like this. And I'm like, yes, I understand. That does yeah. the same thing for me. But it took, it probably took me a good two months to get used to realizing that I don't have to watch that thing off. Because I was every hour I was checking to see what a sugar was doing because I could see it. You know, and given given she was still, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old. And even to this day, I probably, uh, I don't think I checked it once today, but there was, excuse the know, dog she was 14, 15, 16 years old, um, God knows I was checking it multiple times during the day. And then we were in Tennessee. Um, that's when I changed the settings on it to let me know and alert me better when I knew she was going to have issues. And... Um, oh my God, there was one time you woke me up. I didn't, cause I'll sleep, I'll sleep through the alarms. I will, I'll sleep through them. Um, there was one time you woke me up cause it said my sugar was at 40 and you had a sandwich and juice and like crackers and she's waking me up and like, I don't know what it is about me, but my body will naturally wake itself up if I'm low enough. I just like jump up awake. And I literally rolled over, looked at my phone and went, it's not really 40 and rolled back over and went to sleep. She's done made a sandwich. Like she's been <laughs> up for a minute and I'm over here going, it's reading it wrong. It's yeah, not it 40. Like, and like I rolled over. In the morning, I'm in the kitchen making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I'm thinking, oh my God, oh my God, I can't get her awake. And she's like, I'm fine. It's not and really rolled 40. right back over and went to sleep. I did not care. I was so like, I, I was like, you got sandwiches. this. So I ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at like three o'clock in the morning. I wasn't even hungry. Yeah, I'm like, you got this. You're fine. Yeah. Um, but no, and then the, so one thing that's not talked a lot about is driving and diabetes. So, you know, if I get low enough, I could pass out. If I get high enough, I could pass out. Is there ever a fear that, you know, oh my God, oh, she's no. driving. She's driving. She's going to get into an accident because of, et cetera. Um, I don't worry about it so much during the daylight hours. I worry about it more after like 9 p.m. at night. And I can't explain it to you why, except for I go back to when we have to do the Atlantis at 9 o'clock at night. And then by 10, 30, or 11, I would know if your sugar was going to be high or low for the night. 
And then I would either go in there and make you eat a, eat a couple of peanut butter crackers before you actually went to sleep and was completely out. And so I think I worry about you driving late at night and being on the road with your sugar than I do any other time of the day. Yeah. So those are my questions, but just real quick to kind of wrap it up. Any, like I told you, I talked about the nurse. From your perspective, how was that nurse in Tennessee? She was an idiot. <laughs> well, she She's, wasn't an idiot. Um, I don't believe the whole thing of, oh, she had your best interest, you know, in like in mind. I don't believe that because you don't look at one diabetic and say, well, all my other uh, all my other diabetics do it like this. Yeah. Like, um, you don't do that. I think she had two other diabetics in the school. Yeah. Um, who, from what I understood, had been recently di- recently diagnosed. Um, and I just told her, I said, you know, you don't understand. They're not all alike. They all act to sugar and glucose and insulin differently. Um, none of their settings are going to be the same on their pumps. You have to learn the individual person just like you would if they had a uh, physical disability or a mental disability of some sort. It's the same thing. They're, you can't treat them all the same because they're not all the same. Um, and then there was one day that it got extremely heated in there when I had to go in there and see them. But um, it was really funny because when I stormed through the front doors of the office, the two young ladies that were, I don't, I don't know what they call them, assistants or whatever. Uh, yeah, like receptionist, reception, yeah. Aides or whatever. Uh, I snatched the front door off those hinges just about it going through there because I knew her sugar was dropping and the nurse wouldn't do anything about it. It wouldn't let her have anything. Um, well, no, I, she, she let me have the juice because I knew I was going to drop right before first period. And I didn't have juice. And she let me grab it out of the cabinet. That was mine. But she told me, um, don't drink it until you hit 70. Yeah, she would let you. She let you hold it, but she would let you have it and drink it until you were completely down and dropping. But we both know that when you get to that point, you go from 70 to 30 and just like, I don't know, people always called it two shakes of a lamb's tail. So which means about five to 18 minutes, you're going to go from 70 to 30 and be just incoherent and, you know, like a six day drunk. Um, but I snatched those doors open and that, and that thing. And I didn't have to say anything. Those two girls just started pointing towards the nurse's office in there. And um, so I was uh, I was pretty upset with that nurse that day. Oh, yeah. When she wouldn't give Christina the, wouldn't give her the um, the juice and the snacks that she needed to at least to maintain her sugar level. Because people don't understand, um, a lot of people don't understand that <clears throat> once you drop that low, it takes a while to be able to recover from that low. It's not something that's instantaneous. Oh, I can drink a juice box and two minutes later, I'm going to be fine. You have to wait for your body to process that and get your sugar levels back up and be able to function again. And I don't think that lady understood um, how diabetes works, honestly, but that's just my opinion. But, you know, we had some some severe words. And then I think, what was it, a week later, two weeks later, we was in the assistant principal's office voicing the same opinion the assistant principal straight up went i know i already know she was Um, like (laughs) she was like i got it i I would love to tell you her name but that woman was awesome absolutely awesome not the nurse the assistant principal principal, (laughs) let's clear that up so but anyway so that's all the questions that i really have about you know your fears as a parent what you went through what your thought process was so 
closing out, what would you say the main, like, three points of advice or even more than that you would give to parents new, of newly diabetics, um, parents who have a little bit of experience but are still struggling, or even people who just spouse, sibling, cousin, whatever, have a diabetic in their life? Um, I would say educate yourself. Um, go to the Juvenile Diabetic Research Foundation's website. Get as much information as you can there. Um, get you a really good endocrinologist. Um, I've said we've had some good ones and we've had some bad ones, like the one in Wisconsin. Because the one in North Carolina was great. Oh, we loved him. Mr. Bowtie. Oh my God, he wore bow ties all the time, and he was he was so great. But he was handsome. He was he was funny. He was good. We actually, um, I had made a comment one time when I we had gone in for Christina's visit with him. I wish I could remember his name off the top of my head. It's Doctor Mark. Mark Vanderweld. Vanderweld. So if you're um, in the North Carolina area, Doctor Mark Vanderweld. Was he he's amazing. Oh my God. Um, but we were in there one time on Christina's checkup. And he asked, how are things going? And I said, I need a prescription for a swimming pool. And he looked at me and laughed and said, well, why do you need a prescription for a swimming pool? I said, we just got back from vacation. And the whole time we were on vacation, she would swim and eat a snack and swim and eat a snack and eat dinner and swim and do this and swim, whatever. And I said, we had zero problems with her sugars going high or low while we were on vacation and she got to swim. And you know what he did? He wrote me a prescription for a swimming pool. We never got one. Of course, installed. I never got one. <laughs> but he wrote one, it. But, but he wrote me a prescription for a swimming pool, and I thought that was the sweetest thing. I mean, he did write us a prescription for more insulin, that kind of stuff too. Yeah. But he wrote it as, as a joke. But he also wrote it to ease my mind, and that's the kind of doctor you want to um, to be able to talk to and be around for stuff. So. Your commentary is not needed. Please stop. CJ, her, her dog now is letting y'all know that um, he's excited about the podcast. You probably just heard him bark a couple times. He's they there. hear squeaky toys. They hear water drinking. They hear him moving. <laughs> no matter what I do. Right now he's sitting staring at her like, hey, Ma. You okay, Ma? Ma, 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 Ma. <laughs> um, but then the one in Wisconsin was horrible. Well, he horrible. wasn't horrible. He was just different. Well, I, and I've talked about doctor shopping on here, but... There were some things he said to you that I didn't like. He was talking about you not want to take good care of yourself, but... Yeah, and I mentioned in the doctor shopping uh, episode how um, he would always talk to you instead of me and tell you and say, well, what's going on and look at you. And I mean, you're a parent, so obviously you're going to know what's going on, yeah. but as the patient <laughs> i should be the one that you're asking but at that point in time you were old enough to be able to answer those questions on your own which i was trying to encourage him to do but dr vanderweld in north carolina i'm pretty sure this is last name vanderweld in north carolina was magnificent because he would ask me some questions but he would direct all of his other questions to christina which i thought was really cool um, his nursing staff there was fantastic um just the, i don't know just the general they're just i don't know they were just fantastic Absolutely. And the guy at the um, Shriners Hospital here in Atlanta was really good. I cannot remember his name for to save my life, but he was a good doctor, too. He was. He talked me off the ledge multiple times. <laughs> You're like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Yeah. But 
no. So that's the best advice I can give any any newcomer to this, or even people who've been trying to deal with it for a year or two. Make sure that you're educated and understand, you know, your carbs. Listen to your body and let it tell you what's, you know, what's going on. Because you'll be able to, I mean, I can just about tell you when Christina's sugar's going to drop because it's just one of those things I can just yeah. tell, you know. And um, even even if a doctor is telling you, you know, oh, no, just like since switching insulins, now I'm dropping every single night. And the doctor being like, no, this is a good basal rate that, you know, and this is a good basal rate. We need to stick with this. Listen to your body. Say, you know, no, I'm dropping every night. No, my kid's dropping every night. We can't keep doing this. Yeah. And the good thing about the pump is you can adjust those hours. You can adjust that. And I always tell people, I tell Christina, just, just adjust it, drop it down a tenth until you get it to where you want it to be so that you stay steady. Because you don't want those highs and those big swings. You want it to kind of just kind of like rise up a little bit when you're eating and kind of go right back to where it's supposed to be at. But you don't want it to go up and down and up and down. Like yeah. A, you know, like you're driving through the mountains of uh, Virginia or something. But yeah, um, try to keep it. Because it's going to kind of go up a little bit when you eat and kind of go back down and steady out. But, you know, I tell her she needs to keep crackers in her desk, you know. So if she eats breakfast at 7 o'clock in the morning, you know, like at 9 you ain't got to eat, you know, four packs of crackers and two honey buns and, and, you know, Cokes. Just eat a couple of crackers to kind of help you, you know, stay on that steady rate that you're at, you know? Yeah. So. But, so the main thing is educate yourself. Try to educate others. And it's yeah. okay to have fear or be paranoid. Like, don't let it overtake your yeah. life. But it's okay to be scared. Like, this is something new. This is something I don't understand. Yeah. I don't know everything right at this moment. It's okay to wake up in the middle of the night every two hours checking on yeah. the person in your life with diabetes. I guess one of the best things the doctor, the, when you first diagnosed, told me, he said, most people will eat three times a day. Some of those people only eat two times a day. He said, but diabetics should be eating something six times a day. I can't have, do that. He said, <laughs> he, he said they should have breakfast and a nope. lunch <laughs> That's and coffee. A but in between those, they should have a snack, whether it be a couple of apple slices or a couple of crackers or something to keep them on their steady thing that they're on. He said, but, you know, they can't not eat breakfast and not eat lunch and whatever. He said they should have three decent meals a day and then two snacks in between. Um, and then something, you know, even if it's just a couple of crackers or half a peanut butter and jelly sandwich before they go to bed. So it keeps their sugar up all the way through the night. So, yeah. He said, that's what he said. He said, diabetics should eat at least six times a day. Doesn't have to be six big meals. And I if you actually that. talk to dietitians, dietitians will tell you in order to maintain, lose weight, and monitor health, you really should be eating six times a day. Not three big meals or a big breakfast, a big lunch, and a big dinner, but six medium sized meals throughout the day. I don't do that. I drink so. coffee. Coffee is my breakfast. Yeah. That's so. it. But that's all I got for this episode. <laughs> no. I hope it was entertaining and informative. That's what I try to do. That's what I try to do. 